0: And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.
1: Hi everyone! Okay, thank you so much for joining us today. Unfortunately, Deb was unable to make the recording this week, but don't worry, I'm not alone I am joined by one of our newest friends. Now, you may have heard him a few weeks ago on episodes 81 and 82. That's right. I'm talking about Ben, Ben Kintish. He is the creator of the Life Review Musical. And Ben, thank you so much for stepping in and helping us because... All right, well, here's the deal. I suck at introductions. So why don't you take a minute and tell our listeners who you are, what you do?
2: Fantastic. Um Chris, I got to say, like any reasonably narcissistic, creative person, I can talk about myself smoothly (laughs) as much time as you give me. So, like, how long – let's just start with how long is this introduction meant to be today? Are we? Because I remember last time we spoke, we were like, let's do an hour or so. We talked for two and a half hours. It was a multi-part episode. So, do we want this introduction to be a multi-parter or we just (laughs) –
1: You know what I say – it's in the spirit again, the of the topic, season.
2: Ben Kintish, I know so much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen, I have no time <laughs> limit. The
2: kids are out for the night. I am free for hours. That's right. That's right. And my name is Ben Kintish. I am glad to be on again. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yay. You asked me who I am. Uh, you mentioned I've been on a gazillion podcasts, including my favorite, led by the two of you. Um, Talking about life review, the hospice musical. So that's a musical that I created, and uh,
1: soon to be award-winning, I believe.
2: Well, I think you might have already social media awarded <laughs> me. Like you made some sort of graphic that was really good. Um, I think I want to make it onto a t-shirt or at least a poster. But it I think like so. had these these words that were like award-winning. And I asked you, like, what awards, and sh- and you said we're not sure, but but I think we just gave you one, and we all had a good laugh. So <laughs> and anyway, we said for that. you're welcome. <laughs> so good listeners, it is a an award winning uh, new musical comedy about uh, life and loss in a residential hospice, and it is funnier than you would expect, despite the uh, the setting. And uh, if you want to learn more, check out my website, lifereviewmusical.com. So that's enough of a plug. Oh, and Instagram at Life Review Musical. Two thumbs up. Um, the rest of the time, I'll take off my hat as a shameless promoter and just put on my other hat, that of uh, like the little Jewish hat. Uh, sometimes you call it a yarmulke or a kippah. To be honest, this is a, an audio, not video medium. So I am pantomiming there is no actual hat, right, Chris?
1: <laughs> there is no actual hat, but I love the hat you created with your five fingers on top of your head.
2: Thank you. It's the poofy kind. It's it the is kind the poofy that my kind. wife dislikes. Oh. She says that's the kind that only people who never go to synagogue wear. But if <laughs> I it... ever put on one of those, she's like,
1: "You is go to synagogue
2: it... enough to have a better one."
1: <laughs> now, is it because it hasn't formed to the top of your head yet? Great
2: question. No, it's not like a baseball mitt where you have to break it in. Oh. Um Basically, like a lot of more so-called traditional or observant or religious Jews, you use a crocheted or knit yarmulke or head covering or a suede one that sits closer to... I know. That that used to be my favorite for a long time. I was suede all through my teens and then I switched to knit in my 20s. And then in my 30s, I was just like... No, huh? walking around uh, with no Jewish hat whatsoever.
1: I don't know um, if I've ever seen a knit one. I'm picturing like a doily that like, your grandmother would make. Like I a, bet a, it's Irish not like sweater. that.
2: Like, think tight crochet.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> not like yeah. doily on the fireplace. It is just
2: colloquially the word knit is used, but we digress. Why are we talking about. <laughs> Oh. We never know. Oh oh I know. I know because I was, uh, yeah, I was trying to fingers be clever, but I outclevered myself. The danger of being funny in the morning. Um I listen to you first so, thing in the morning. Oh. Are you kidding me? That's like my baritone range.
0: <laughs> you wanna hear me sing hi, you only gotta book me in the afternoon. <laughs>
2: um yeah. But anyway, I like to switch metaphorical hats, reflecting my various sets of knowledge or professional identities, right? So when Mm -hmm. I'm on podcasts, I'm often talking about being a songwriter or performer. And then they're like, so tell us about being a chaplain, like in the present tense. And I'm like, actually, I used to be a chaplain, but I play one currently. Um, But then in the course of the interviews, I'll kind of say, as a matter of speech, like I'm, I'm switching hats here from civilian to chaplain <laughs> or from chaplain to music teacher or you know whatever the case may be chaplain to performer because right. those are like diametrically opposed you may <laughs> yeah remember. i would think
1: so it was pretty you know i don't think you answered this in the last podcast maybe you didn't i forgot it because that's which quite i'm interrupting is
2: a feat <laughs> for anything to be unanswered in a three and a half hour <laughs> and that's only because we, it. <laughs> we cut it
1: it's only because we cut it um oh
2: god no, happy birthday jesus exactly my goodness time um, to celebrate christmas after that one I,
1: thank god huh oh exactly
2: yes. <laughs> we'll get there now, eventually but you, what was the question that remained the unanswered? question Tell was
1: me. is what made you decide to stop being a cantor i don't know if we ever answered that or if we did oh
2: um uh, what's the the simple answer maybe i haven't yet found the right combination of synagogue community that matched me and clergy partner okay um the first community where i worked was not a good place to work the second community i pla- worked at was okay um i had a challenging relationship with my clergy partner oh but she was okay. very much my senior so the power dynamics are not in any way egalitarian. And you know, like when you come into a tight, it's not like being in a big corporation with a hundred people if Right you're in a small synagogue. It's like you and the rabbi and the office administrator. And that's, that's it. it. Yeah. So if someone's very difficult, it's sort of hard to work around them and avoid them. Literally yes. or metaphorically. And so that, that was one of the pain points kind of pushing me out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I was also a little bit concerned, honestly, about the, the so-called future of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I may have been overly pessimistic. Like I believe this synagogue will stay in business. Oh, okay. But in general, um, liberal Judaism and liberal Christianity for that matter in the United States is in big trouble in terms of how do we keep the lights on mm-hmm. when people under 45 are joining synagogues and churches Mm-hmm. in those left and center denominations less and less every year. They are, huh? So the fundamentalists, the Christians, the Muslims, <laughs> the Jews, they're doing great. <laughs> they're um, all fine and dandy. Yeah, and the Jews, I should mention, a lot of the more traditional ones have a lot of children. So there's actually explosive demographic growth Okay, yep. in some of these sects based on the fact that they have a lot of children. Like, that's mm-hmm. a thing. Whereas people of my ilk the hyper educated affluent we've been marrying later Mm -hmm. we are drifting to the cities but then like kind of spreading out in ways that previous generations didn't so maybe Mm -hmm. we met in the cities but then we're going all over the place yeah it's easier to manage synagogue communities when all of the jews are cloistered in neighborhoods like to take the new jersey example they're going to be okay because they have a lot of um this is sort of dark but they've managed a nice campaign of bequests you know, <laughs> after what do you call it like leave the synagogue in yes. your will
1: yep yep leave all so, like, the money to the church the synagogue the... Or the
2: yeah or even like quote a small you know tax-free gift after your death yep um so it's easy to to give ten thousand dollars after you die it it hurts more if you do it when you're living when you're living so the the small places that have figured out how to do that are going to avoid total fiscal calamity when the old guard dies however it remains an existential threat for -hmm. the so-called god business which is a pretty big industry at least in the u.s when you think about all of those big cities have these like Huge suburban rings, yep. with synagogues and churches everywhere.
1: I appreciate so the fact, fact that you call in it a business. business because it is. I it's appreciate a... you saying that because most people will not say that, but that's exactly what it is. Well, 100%. the only one
2: that seems free is the Catholic Church, but they're one of the richest institutions. They are on Earth. not
1: free. <laughs> Don't you know? Well, okay, okay, if you're a Catholic, okay, if you're Catholic, and you
2: go to church? Mm-hmm. Are you asked or expected to be a paying member on an annual basis? Uh yes. Absolutely not. No, oh. well,
1: the smaller churches they Perhaps ask me if I'm to... wrong,
2: but not that I No, I've I'm
1: sure you're probably of. right, but I remember going Not and the was... way that synagogues do. Okay. Well, I from what I remember when I was younger again, having gone in a long long time, but there was supposed to be in a certain amount of your I mean, they don't, you know, they don't send you a bill. But yeah, a certain amount of money yes. from your paycheck that you're supposed to give them every month, and there supposed was a certain to,
2: not required,
1: right? Synagogues Depending require. Depending on the
2: community, <laughs> they might be able. Look, there are places. I uh, I remember going to a camp, meeting my first Mormon. He was a kid representing Utah when. One,
0: uh-huh.
2: He taught me about the tithing thing, and he explained, "Oh, in Utah, we do tithing, but we actually do it." He said, "Like a little <laughs> bit," <laughs> but I think. The reality the is churches. that – so I wasn't trying to – yes, because the, the Mormons, they they take their tithing very literally. And that's yeah. part of the reason why the, that church is doing quite well for itself. <laughs> um, most left-of-center synagogues and churches, they've been doing the membership model historically. Oh. So the the Christ – meaning $1,000 or more per year per family, additional fees for religious school on the weekend, mm-hmm. et cetera – Plus an additional fundraising expectation, and maybe they also want you to put them in their will. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. A lot of people my age look at all of that, and they're like, wait, you want me to pay two or three grand a year to be part of a place I'm going to only go to to drop my kids off for school? Right. That they might not even like that much. So there's a competitor called Chabad, which is a very right-wing... let's call it outreach version of Hasidic Judaism or outreach oriented version. They do a lot of great work, but they're also a competitor. So it's a thing (laughs) They're for free. And then later they'll ask you for donation.
1: Oh, okay. So
2: so they get them in the door that way. And then a lot of people are just like, I'll log onto a website and get some basic things to share with my kid Mm -hmm. because they didn't have a good experience one generation ago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, so, you know, I in tell this day you all, and age, why I Why did it's, I get started on all this? I don't, I don't remember. remember. But it's interesting to discuss. Maybe, I mean, one of the topics at hand is, uh, I think that the plan topic... Oh, you were asking me, why did I leave the Kenter business? So That's I was right. ruminating yeah. about whether this business will keep going. Right. So that was a, a very zigzaggy way of saying there's a lot of concern... In a lot of medium size and medium small synagogues about how to keep going and how Mm -hmm. to stay financially viable. And I felt that tension in a a workplace or or rather in a synagogue community where very few people wanted to talk honestly about money beyond making it work for this year. Oh. Right? So if you're in the nonprofit world or the for-profit world, you hear that and you're like, that's insanity because... Mm -hmm institutions are not a year to year no enterprise they better not be
1: (laughs) if they are they're probably not going to be for
2: long Uh, ding 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 you're correct so i kind of saw the writing on the wall between these global trends and by the way like some of those things i said felt kind of abstract i've encountered it Face to face with people my age and a Mm -hmm. bit younger when I was like recruiting, like, hey, I'm the cantor at the local synagogue, (laughs) like meeting parents at the Jewish preschool. Yep. And they were like, wait, is that the one in that weird 70s looking building in the Uh... part of town that I perceive as dicey? By the way, not true. It's a great neighborhood, but, you know. Probably older, right. Older neighborhood, more racially diverse, therefore Unfortunately, some people have perceptions there. Um, it's a beautiful place where we worship. Is it as fancy as the newer building on the other part of town? Absolutely not. So for people who want a fancy building, they're not going to join the smaller, older right. synagogue in the dumpier building. Um, like So there's some stuff in our industry that's just sort of out of our control. And there's some things that were particular to the job. Um, and I also had a big pull, Chris. Um, I'm trained as a music teacher as well as, as a cantor because I've mm-hmm. done both both jobs over the years. And I had gotten a feeling that uh, basically every time I visited my daughter's elementary school, I felt this exciting energy that I never yep. felt working in the synagogue business. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There, There is a different... Just based on the size and the scope, when you're in a school, there's usually a minimum of two to three hundred little people, and then all the grownups you need to support them. <laughs> That's right. Yep. Anything smaller than 200 children is an unusually small school. That's a Just tiny
1: like, little school. That's in, yes. out in the country. I happen yeah. to
2: work now at a private school where it's 250 K to eight. So that's a very small private school. But, you know, you pay for that privilege. Mm -hmm. Public elementary school these days where I live, 25 plus kids per room. And so a big elementary school might be 500 children. You walk in there as a volunteer and it's just like brimming with energy. (laughs) Things are happening and
1: kids are excited.
2: Kids are exciting. Yeah. Um, It's not fair to compare, but I'm aware that I, I made a comparison when there was an inflection point in my career, mm-hmm. I was noticing that for better or worse, my synagogue community skewed older. Yep. Not, and not uncommon no. for all of those left mm-hmm. of center churches and synagogues in America that the, uh, the pews are, are graying, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I love old people to be clear. I wrote a whole musical about old people and dying people and all that. Um, I've done a lot of work as a chaplain trainee in elder care. I literally enjoy elder pe- people more than most people my age, but <laughs> I don't always find them to be the most. Um, it's not a competition about who's the most exciting, but like, no. I, I kind of got the feeling that. That there was a different sort of energy that I enjoyed working with children. And that felt like. Where one of my superpowers lie. Well, I think I in another 10 years when my body slows down more, I will totally be get, game to return to chaplaincy full-time and probably yep. find a job in an elder care community.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. that would
2: be perfect for me. I could be full-time in one place with a few buildings. Mm-hmm. And I could and get programs. to know Yeah, and get you get to know to people, know them, which... get to know families. All
1: yeah, them. which I could see if that would be. I, I would just think that doing doing elder care for a long time i think it's not really just even being burnt out it's just emotionally draining i would think
2: you know so you're not the first person to ask that question about elder care and even the uh, the sister question oh is in hospice care difficult so the Mm -hmm. answer is all care work is difficult Mm -hmm. and every age group and demographic has its own challenges right Right. So I've met chaplains who do things like elder care and do things like hospice. And they hear that I had a previous life working elementary school music.
3: Mm -hmm. And they're like,
2: I don't know how you do that. You're so brave. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, which part of it is brave? Is it working with five year olds? Is it singing with them? Like, and, you know, it sort of reflects their particular anxieties about. I don't know, singing or how they relate to children.
1: Right. But I I find that amusing
2: because I I consider hospice chaplaincy arguably uh, among the top 10 most emotionally intense jobs I could think of. Um, (laughs) Seems like. And I did it. And like, it was intense. And working with old people all the time is intense if part of what you're implying is because they keep dying. Is that.
1: (laughs) Well, I would think. Unfortunately, is that the unspoken yes. part of the question? Okay. <laughs> yes, I think so.
2: No, yeah. I, I think it's worth naming um, because it is true that when you work in either a church synagogue community with a lot of elders who mm-hmm. just keep getting older and dying, or an institution dedicated to elder care where you purposefully have nothing but elders, right? where you right. have an a higher number of deaths.
1: Because and that's what they <laughs> the, these,
2: these are like aspects specific to where you work. Yep, yep. Right? And so I think, uh, to answer your question directly before coming back to the broad thing, I'm okay with that level of pain. And that's why I'm good at doing different kinds of emotionally challenging work.
1: There you go. Right. So I'm good yep. at
2: hospice chaplaincy. I'm good at elder care chaplaincy. I'm also good at working with small children, which requires a different kind of sort of super empathy.
1: Mm-hmm. But I um, think you have a very positive outlook as a person. So I think you probably bring bring that to whichever, I
2: tried, I to tried whichever to. job
1: you're working, whereas other people don't have that same type of personality. So it would be more yes. even even for them to work with children, it would be
2: difficult Okay, you know? so I I don't disagree that I I present a certain kind of sunny or cheerful, possibly positive outlook. I also think that for every kind of challenging job, and you know I don't for all of you wonderful listeners hearing us talk, I don't want you to just cross off like eight important jobs <laughs> because we've identified <laughs> them as occasionally challenging emotionally. Because there is definitely a teacher shortage. People, if you are listening, please reconsider becoming a teacher. Um, and I'll say that even while acknowledging in the same breath that every Friday night I'm wiped. and I work <laughs> at a beautiful private school. I teach music K to four. Like what could be more lovely oh, than be, like,
4: seems like singing and job. dancing with
2: children? <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, compared to all the other jobs I've had, um, we can have a more uh, forthcoming conversation on with war stories from the music classroom on a, a different episode. <laughs> but like, This one is probably the easiest. And yet it is still emotionally taxing. And here's why. When you teach small children, they come to you with their real life drama. Oh, yeah. And even with a group that skews upper middle class and even upper upper class, we've got some Bessies and Tessie during pickup along with some beat up Hondas and everything in between. (laughs) The little kids of whatever income level they have. Um, they have their real life heartbreaks. They come in off the playground sometimes, or they come to me at the playground. And they're like Ben, you know, we're first name school. That's a Quaker thing. Ben t- Taylor
0: didn't want me to play with her. Oh, what
2: screw and I'm Taylor? Like, well, okay, that's <laughs> what I'm thinking inside my head. Um, Taylor, if you're listening, goddamn Taylor.
1: Um, you you shouldn't be
2: listening to this podcast. Tell your mom anyway. this is inappropriate. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, if Taylor's listening, you've made it big. Cuz she's exactly. like a tastemaker among our uh, she's yeah, first your second grade. Either grade. It's a key demographic among the the uh the podcast the quakers movie. of uh Montgomery County, Maryland. Um fun fact, very few of us are quakers. I digress I from my digression. <laughs> no. Um. Yeah. So teaching can be really emotionally taxing because, I mean, I'll take a a less silly example. When I'm in the kindergarten room, and I love the kindergartners more than anyone, even though it's not a competition, I just love those little little people.
1: They're just so undeveloped. when they come, <laughs> what? They're just so undeveloped.
2: They are so undeveloped, which makes them wonderful yeah. and oof exhausting. And so in a recent class, we're singing a song and a kid waves their hand wildly. And you think to yourself, 90% chance this has nothing to do with anything. But you like the fact that the child raised their hand. (laughs) So you're like, thank you for raising your hand. What's your your question? (laughs) What is it? And they go, in two days is my
0: uncle's birthday.
2: (laughs) And inside my head, I'm thinking... And why did you need to stop everything <laughs> to tell us that? But then I remember, for that child, in That's, this moment, that is a big bleeping deal. That is and a so huge, I say, important thing. I acknowledge the intent and the feeling, which yeah. is why, you know, I'm good with littles. I say, Aww. you are so excited about your uncle's birthday, and thank you again for raising your hand. That's a, uh, you know, reminder yep. about the routine. Yep. Adorable. Um, but that's like a low stakes thing when the kids fall and they hurt themselves or they're a little sick, you know, it, if you have that empath muscle well-formed or even like a, what I joke about being overly, what do we say in our house? Aggressively helpful. Mm-hmm. If you're the person who's like always trying to help the person struggling with their bags or, you know, like you might be good in kindergarten because those little people need, need a lot help. of help. <laughs> yeah. Um, But there's also like a, what I would describe a hypervigilance for the teacher, a good K teacher in a room of even 10 kids, or if you're in a city setting, maybe 20 or more, watching all of the children interact, even as you watch the mass. Because it's the little interactions that have to be monitored to keep the peace and keep things orderly.
1: Right. So right.
2: you know, if you see Johnny poke Mary in anywhere on her body, it doesn't even have to be like an inappropriate spot. You say to say, "Kids, eyes on me. Mm-hmm. We keep our hands to ourselves. Everyone, show me hands together." Yep. Ooh, let's try twiddling our own thumbs. That's <laughs> a game, and then like. <laughs> It's like diversion. Oh my! But that, but not to single out. No, not to make Poking little so and so, you're going to tell her to move away from him because mm-hmm. that guy, you know, watch out for him <laughs> now and in the future, ladies. Yeah, he's a confirmed creep. <laughs> I've seen it on the rug and <laughs> elsewhere.
1: And I can tell um, you right now, kindergarten.
2: <laughs> no but serious oh my yeah. god all joking aside i had a conversation with an adult colleague about a child who has serious boundary issues mm-hmm. continued uh, huh he's a boy mm-hmm. um kind of handsy inappropriate not quite sexually inappropriate but uh, give it another year or two yeah <laughs> right and uh-huh. because he's boy and because he's third grade, it's like we need to control this now. Now. <laughs> because in three years, when you mm-hmm. add whatever sexual impulses are on top of his inabro his inability mm-hmm. to read um social cues and space yep. boundaries. Cause you think about how much of this like like the flirtation and early romantic overtures includes like this nonverbal that no one right. speaks yet. Yep. As adults, when we're, like, sexually and romantically and socially sophisticated, it's still tricky to figure out. Is someone it, right. friendly? Is someone flirty? Is someone, mm-hmm. like, hot and heavy for me? <laughs> right? Right, exactly. No. But I... when they're, like, 11 <laughs> or even 9, and they're in love with the girl at their table, basically because she's a girl and she's nice. Yep. That's the reason a lot of boys fall in love for the first time. It's like, she's a girl, and she's nice to me. And that makes me feel That's warm good enough. in all kinds of places. Yeah. And like for the rest of our lives, we men are confused because it's like um, the woman at the hotel, she's above average attractive and she smiled at me.
1: Right. Right. She I do. I, I, To be honest, I really feel for guys these days. I, I do. I, I think, you know, you poor guys, I feel for you for the way society yeah. is. Uh, Ugh, it's
2: challenging it, but it's all beyond
1: that- challenging and i feel bad for these younger kids these teenagers going up for their dates and everything you gotta warn your boys you got to be very careful you you know because uh,
2: all the challenge um i appreciate that and i also want to say we still need to teach our young men doubly better because they have
1: they all have history quite, up yeah. until
2: today of doing some pretty rotten stuff and then um but even innocent so
1: even if they're innocent and it's they've done nothing, even by all standards up until yesterday, it was okay. It might not be okay tomorrow. Or she may decide it wasn't okay tomorrow. You know what I'm this saying? It, I do really it, very it, I think it's very challenging
2: situations crazy. to be sure, Chris. Because I mean what I let's take the gender thing out of it and just say the way I narrate it as a teacher, whether it's five year olds or bigger people. I say, everyone, let's do a space bubble, elbows at your side, rotate with your fingers <laughs> to the air. And when we're dancing like a real dance, we do a big space bubble, which is arms straight with fingers curved to the ceiling and rotate. That's like a I guess a school dances and... will be fun. <laughs> no, well, we know in high school, there's no such thing as a space bubble. You, two people occupy the same bubble. And that's what it gets bubble. exciting. <laughs> um cute. Right. But that's also why I'm a lot more comfortable with the five-year-olds. Anyway, the, the, the high school kids make me blush.
1: Yeah, I bet. Um,
2: well, anyway, it's anyway. just like a lot a lot of things you keep keep an eye on um, with those kindergarten kids. But the upside is they are whatever the age the children are um effervescent and they're fun to be with they bring a lot of good energy and i'll tell you chris when they sing along it's great um you know we're getting ready i'm seeing a scribbled note on my desk getting ready for a big holiday concert paradoxically Woo! no holiday music it's just adjacent to the holidays but whatever <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe if we called it a winter hunt winter concert we could have no winter music and only holiday music. <laughs> Just
1: sing about flowers blooming. And
2: <laughs> That's right. We could have a winter concert featuring only spring music. That could be ever more confusing.
1: Exactly.
2: If all you're going for is confusion, man, I'm ready to bring it. Well, um, I think
1: there is some confusion because this episode is about Christmas. And oh, I have brought on I a Jewish cantor. I felt a canter.
2: segue coming on. Is that what the kids call it? I love it. All right. So, yeah, that's a perfect segue. Come on, bring it.
1: All right. Well, first off, before we get into the whole Christmas thing, because, you know, it seemed perfect to have you on for it. I just need to do a little business first. Um, Chris and Deb, they were on a great podcast. Ben, take notes. We're on our friend Casey's podcast. It's called An Evening at the Movies. And we went on and we... Well, we kind of took over the show, I think. Poor Casey didn't know what to do with us. But we talked all about National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. From front to back to everything that happened in between. And that's coming out this week. So I think everyone needs to jump over and listen to it at... Again, it's called An Evening at the Movies. So that's my business there. Hi, Chris and Deb here. We want to take just a moment to tell you about the ultimate all-in-one podcasting solution. We are talking about a... One stop shop where you can record,
4: edit, distribute, and even monetize your podcast. That's right. We are talking about Zencaster. As you know by listening to our podcast, we are a little bit technically challenged, but Zencaster saved the day. All we have to do is log on and press record. It can't get much easier than that. We've been using Zencaster since day one and can't help but notice they're getting better and better. We all know Zencaster provides high quality
1: audio. It, it records in 16-bit 48K wave audio per guest, and regardless of your internet connection, and very important, there is no time limit. Plus, they keep your recording, so there's no need to panic about losing it. And for me, Personally, I love that it records on separate tracks to make my editing easier.
4: Not into editing? No worries. Zencaster has got you covered. They offer a post-production process that makes your voice buttery smooth, and better yet, it removes all those annoying ums and awkward pauses.
1: By the way, Zencaster's not just audio. Their video is just as amazing. It records up to 4K. That's to give
4: you that professional quality your podcast deserves listen, we didn't even cover everything. There is so much more. So if you want to make your podcasting journey, the easiest it can be go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and use our code today. We laughed and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experience that we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, for thirty percent off your first month, go to ZenCaster. That's z e n c a s t r. dot com slash pricing, and use our code today. That's one word. It's time for you to share your story.
1: Um. Oh, and I was going to do a game with Deb. I hope you'll play along. Yes, please. <laughs> We're going to play this quick game. It, I'm completely stealing it from another podcast, to be honest. Uh, the other podcast I also that I listened to.
2: Theft. Thank in your... the name of creativity.
1: Oh! I'm giving yeah. credit. What? Look, look, look. See? Oh, send it to
2: There's me. There's a book <laughs> called Steal Like an Artist. Austin <laughs> Cleon. It's about using other people's art for inspiration.
1: Oh, for inspiration. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: this not, is, we... It's not like uh, a testament to plagiarism, but, you know. Be
1: inspired. It's an in- inspiration. Using other it's people's work. It's a really work. good book
2: is it good creative steal like an artist by austin cleon he also wrote a great book called show your work
1: oh okay i'll have to check it out the
2: creative process great stuff
1: i share my creative process
2: with you (laughs) is that enough (laughs) that's fantastic no this is so much fun i mean excuse me that's an opportunity to edit i love a good edit
1: So I, I borrowed it, or I was inspired by this other podcast I listened to called My Weekly Mixtape, and they basically have a different theme every week, and they create the perfect mixtape, if there were to be one, because we, if you lived through the mm. 80s, you made mixtapes. Yes. So they had one this week. The It was all Christmas music. Nice. It was, but it was, you know, the show was run by guys, and I didn't quite agree with it. You know, there were some others. They were missing a few songs, I thought. So, again, I told Deb to come up with a list. She isn't here. So I asked Ben to come up with a list. So what we're going to do is go back and forth. I'm going to say a song that I think should be on a mixtape. And then you're going to add it. And we're going to see what we get. How does that sound? Sound good?
2: That sounds good. And. Uh, you know earlier in the conversation I was alluding to all my various hats so I feel like here I have two hats that that make me a good partner for this one is music teacher right and for all these years every December I gotta gotta learn or remember some of these songs and then um, just person in America. We can talk about that later as we talk about Christmas in general. Like, whether you like Christmas or not, it is here. Yep. (laughs) Especially if you want to shop in public. (laughs) (laughs) It is not just, I mean, it's here. In fact, but there's a re, I I just thought of this memory. The the formative moment in my love for Christmas music is when I worked retail in high school at a job I enjoyed, um, a retail chain, I believe, of blessed memory. It was the clothing version of Toys R Us. Toys R Us has been, like, semi... Kids R Us. Toys R Us. Yeah. Yeah, Kids R Us was the clothing store. So that's where I worked. Anyway, um, I did one Christmas season there. I think, like, early college or late high school. So, you know, fond memories because of the age. And I just remember being, like, less bored than I expected because I was, like, folding the little pajamas, bopping along to the music that was coming from above. And then I was like, oh, I kind of love this.
1: I did one yeah. Christmas season at Toys R Us. I think it was in the, it was definitely the late eighties. I think we're heading into a recession. I, I just remember the late eighties having like this gray feeling to it. Cause I think we're, we're we heading to a recession then. Yeah. If you
2: work retail and, and you're not making as much money as last year, everyone gets rather unpleasant. Um. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think it, they frown on that, but I love the fact that you love Christmas music, which is wild again. You're not really. Uh, by the way, happy I'm Hanukkah.
2: Not I am a proud Jewish man. <laughs> by
1: the way, happy Hanukkah because we're doing this Thank you. during right. Hanukkah. We are
2: recording the second day. <laughs> Tonight we will light the third candle. Very fun. Um, so there you go. Yay. Yeah. I well, love, I, so I love Christmas music as an American, as a former retail worker, and yes, as a Jewish guy, because why not? Um, music's music. I love music. Right. Music teacher. All the things.
1: All right. Well, so let's come up with the perfect mixtape.
2: All so right.
1: top on my list, which I remember from, again, m- late eighties, I didn't look up the dates or anything, but to me, I need to hear it. And I turn it up and I sing along and I sing it all. Th- I'm- all right. I don't sing. I roll up the windows in the car and I do whatever one would call singing. And I try to sing in all the same tones as um, everybody on this album. Um, do they know it's Christmas by Band-Aid? I have to hear that every Christmas. I have to hear it many, many times. I love that song. So that is my first song. What do you got, Ben?
2: I'm sorry to be predictable, but I was in love with her then, and I'm in love with her now. Rye Carey. She's my queen. All I want for Christmas is you. Sometimes it's popular because it's good. (laughs) And that song is fire. I know. That are there are a lot of people who are over it because it is often the most played Christmas song of the popular canon.
1: Yes, but there's a lot I of memes. It's kind of it, awesome. Have you seen the I think memes? It's kind of awesome. The memes in November they show Mariah Carey is sneaking out of like behind a tree. I'm coming.
2: <laughs> yes, I've seen that, and I've also seen memes of her like shoveling money in December. <laughs> I love um, the song. She could never again record anything and no. just be a wealthy woman from the royalties from that one song. That's right. It's a co-write, so she gets not just the performance credit but the songwriting credit. Um, and no one knows how much she wrote. Not to be like conspiratorial, but sometimes celebrities really co-write, and sometimes they just get their name attached. Right
1: they, you're right. they right. They add one more
2: course. But either way, whatever it is, that, Mariah Carey doing well with that song. I love it. Yep, I love and it I too, and I'm not sorry for it.
1: no me neither to me it's not Christmas till I've heard that another one that I guess most of my Christmas songs I mean I love all the traditional ones but some reason I didn't put them on here um, because there's way too many I love all Christmas things but one that I remember loving and buying the 45 of because you could was Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Bruce Springsteen of course it was the B side of something but it was I love that version of uh, Santa Claus is Coming to Town so that is my next pick
2: you know, that one wasn't on my list, but I endorse the choice. Thank you. Having recently read his
0: enormous
2: memoir in oh. his voice on an audiobook. Highly recommended if you guys Ooh, like audiobooks. Oh, fun. Um, he didn't talk about that song in the memoir. <laughs> <laughs> he should have.
1: That was huge. <laughs> he,
2: he, he could have gotten closer to the length of the of either Obama memoir. Uh, but his was, pretty, <laughs> his, was, his was pretty serious without patting it with uh, the Christmas music. No, I love that one. And um, I think there was a moment or there have been moments when some people really poo-poo on pop stars and rock stars making Christmas music. Mm -hmm. But like, I think just go for it because people are so happy to hear you do the thing. Your fans are going to buy it, obviously. Mm -hmm. And if you get a crossover hit that's unexpected you might get people who don't know you discovering you as an artist because you've done a christmas song that happens sometimes
1: right of course and i mean like if you the think old about it
2: love actually that I lo- that's block. on
1: i i actually that's a um if we have a repeat that's one of my songs i love the love actually song <laughs>
2: um
1: i can't uh what,
2: christmas in the air or christmas is here we'll have to figure I out it's the christmas name of that in the
1: air, yeah yeah I was, oh, maybe I didn't write it down, but oh, I, I don't know why I love that movie. It's really, if you really dissect love, actually, it's not exactly a happy movie, but some reason it puts a smile on my face and I watch it on an airplane and I always forget about the two porn stars in it. <laughs>
2: You remember this? Oh, though, not to be overcorrecty, but this is a a, a a news you can use podcast. We want to be accurate here. They're not porn stars. No.
1: They're stand-ins. They are body
2: doubles. Yes, they're body. You're correct. Adult actors. <laughs> getting the lighting right before the real actors step in. Which correct, somehow I'm sorry. Yeah. Makes them more lovable and accessible than actual porn actors.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't even know and everybody loves that movie. And I've seen it. No,
2: I mean, no, no you don't? it's become that movie has become of Christmas rom-coms, what all I want for Christmas yeah. is for Christmas music. I know. It it's so be- ubiquitous that now a lot of people claim to hate it. Oh, um, no. And, and that hurts my heart. It does. I, like I said, if you really dissect that movie, you don't know why you love that movie.
1: But yeah, what's his face with the that song?
2: stuff with any movie that was made more than five or ten years ago. Um, but you know what? I still will watch it every year.
1: Yep. We actually I, own
2: the DVD, so.
1: We'll see. And I love I love that Thumbs section. Up. You know, the the guy with the song. And he's like, oh, it's complete and fucking trash. This sucks. <laughs> he's like so lovable <laughs> in a bad he, way. He I is, don't know.
2: He is an anti-hero, yeah. hat tip Taylor Swift person of the year. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. Okay, so. I did send so. I think something to
2: that was twenty minutes of talking to get through one of on mine and two on yours. Got,
1: right, we haven't even gotten to the topic yet.
2: <laughs> Maybe the topic <laughs> is Ben and Chris make a Christmas mixtape.
1: That's right. And
2: the second episode <laughs> is Ben and Chris talk Christmas. But exactly, we'll see. We'll number see what two happens. is Let It Snow. Okay. Um, I think because it's fun and it represents like a whole subset of Christmas music that is like. Swingin' and jazzy. I believe it appears on my list of 11 iconic Christmas songs that Jews wrote. Um, and it's also a song that I've performed mm-hmm. to, to a certain amount of adulation at various moments in my life. So now- it's a go-to for Ben the singer.
1: Well, I and I love "Let It Snow." Um, lots of different versions, but now I have to go back and think: Does it actually ever mention Christmas in that song? I mean, I it's a Christmas song. To no,
2: me. no, no, right? And, and this is an important um qualifier that for some people, maybe you know, we were talking religion during the warm up. For some people, for whom Christmas is all about Christ
4: mm-hmm. and the
2: birth of our Savior and all that good stuff, where church attendance and prayers is an important part of it. Their Christmas playlist is likely to focus more on songs like God Rest You, Merry Gentlemen, right, or Oh right. Holy Night, mm-hmm. or stuff that's like in another language. Right. right. Uh, maybe some of the classical repertoire, um, you know, this guy's Christmas Oratorio or that one's Christmas Oratorio, if you're into that. <laughs> yep. Not <Nope>. knocking it. <laughs>
1: no, no. Well, I think I've um... sung
2: a lot of that stuff as a classical <laughs> singer, and it's gorgeous music but i think most of our listeners when they think christmas playlist they're thinking more like the contemporary pop pantheon like all i want for christmas yeah or if they're going to do throwback they'll get a let it snow in there um so and i think um there's more in in the contemporary playlist literally or <laughs> yep <laughs> metaphorically um there's a lot more stuff that is only obliquely Christmas, Correct. or you might even call winter slash snow themed. Mm-hmm. Right, let it snow is definitely one of them. Um, even Jingle Bells, I believe, doesn't have the word Christmas. Well,
1: because that was a Thanksgiving. Uh, that was made for Thanksgiving, actually.
2: Yeah, it rolled into Christmas or whatever. Travel,
1: right? Oh, even the bells um, are
2: on the bobtail of the the horses who pull the sleigh.
1: Yep, yeah, and even over the river, I don't think. Over the yeah, Yes, so Over well? the River,
2: I think, still lies on the Thanksgiving visiting family, at mm-hmm. least when I'm thinking as a music teacher. But you are correct. Those are both yeah. winter travel songs that aren't about Christmas. So if One you're on a road trip in the winter. <laughs> Especially if you're riding your sleigh, folks. Again, not to knock it. <laughs> no, Don't no. knock it until you Go try for it. it. <laughs> uh, just be sure to, to wear proper wintry protection. That's what she said. All right. <laughs> Well, All right, um, let's go. So number five. Let's go Number I five. Think... Wait, wait, wait. Oh, are we adding as we go? Because I yeah. numbered mine one through ten. Well, we're just, on one... we're just putting it on the mixtape. We're just putting it on the mixtape. Okay, that's easier because math is not my forte. Like most musicians, I can count to four and then I start over again. Well, right, like me
1: today, I told you to, you know, come on at 11 your time, which would be six my time. But my math was off and I came on at five. And I'm like, where is he? <laughs> Because I'm an idiot, you know, and I
2: like to make i, I like to make the people wait. Um, anyway <laughs> <I know. laughs> thank you for
1: stopping all time and changing the time zones. Anyway, so my next song is "Santa Baby" by Madonna.
2: Ooh, I would. So I this, to... this would be what I I would call in the slightly naughty slash PG thirteen. Yeah, but you subset. That's okay. You know. um there's a lot of Christmas for everyone. This song. <laughs> Christmas is for everyone, including those of us with healthy adult sexual feelings. I'm just curious about why are we sexualizing Santa? Um, Is it because adults have to sexualize everything and everyone?
1: I think it's because we all know who Santa is. I think that's why.
2: Oh, because in a lot of families, it's some random male relative. Well, it's usually your husband. it's like
1: i saw mommy kissing santa claus who's santa claus it's daddy today you learned
2: today we laughed (laughs) and learned that's why so i feel like if you're gonna do an important aha moment from this episode that might be it (laughs) um so maybe it's not just christmas playlist it's christmas playlist Plus hidden meanings. (laughs) Right.
1: I forget how, it took me a long, I forget how old I was before it really occurred to me with, um, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. I was in my teens, (laughs) late teens probably. Like, oh.
2: (laughs) So I think it could be daddy, though. I want to push back and say Without rereading the lyrics, I think it could be any man in. The oh, Santa okay,
1: suit. yes, I will agree. It just any As man, in
2: not at... the magical, mythical. Creature. No, it's
1: not actually that. It's... it's some
2: dude in a Santa suit who's making out with Mama.
1: Oh, right. Or it could just be, you know, like your boyfriend giving you a, a gift and you're calling him Santa and you're like, "Oh, Santa baby," you know. I'm thinking it could right. be an yeah,
2: yeah, but it's not
1: but... actually just it's not like a hundred eight year old man or hundred
2: 180- eighty sure year old um... man. It's... Yeah, and uh look, I mentioned earlier that it's good business to write a Christmas song and knowing when I'm thinking now as a songwriter, knowing that there's all these different subsets of the market. There's the faith-based market where you're going to do hymns and it's going to be beautiful and have God language, mm-hmm. and there's going to be the danceable, family-friendly right. stuff where it can run in the mall all day, and then it's and then you can do the PG-13 even R-rated, if it's like nov, bordering on adults only or novelty record. Mm-hmm, right. And there's a long history of those that are intentionally irreverent and a little bit naughty, whether it's sexually or adult language, right? Or talking about drinking or drugs or or consensual well, adult. Oh, well, like
1: grandma getting run over by a reindeer.
2: You know. Oh, I love that one. <laughs> it I is a great to put one. i it on my list because. I remember it being fu- so that I think hit its peak in the eighties in terms of airplay because
1: it was so different at the time. That's At right. least at my but age, like most it was.
2: novelty records, um, it can it can feel a little bit um, old, fast. Mm-hmm.
1: But that one know, stood the, te- the people still wears listen. Off. That still comes through though. That's on the radio all the time though. That one still gets played.
2: All right. Important follow up question for you, Chris: Is that more or less obnoxious than Dominic the Donkey?
1: Oh, less. I cannot stand Dominic the donkey. <laughs>
2: I absolutely despise that song. Dominic the donkey is horrible. Probably because it's a little bit, it has this on, it's like, I'm okay, it's an audio medium, but I'm right. like doing this silly You're marching, dance. yeah. It's like a march with silly arms. Yeah. Um, ba, dump, ba, da, it, da, you, da, you feel da, like it's da, a, da. Oh, a puppet. Oh, I think it's got the polka beat, maybe. Or maybe yeah. it's like some guy operating the strings. I feel like puppet. it's, yeah,
1: that's what it feels like It's like a puppet show. I don't know. I just, yeah.
2: the tone of it just sends, I just, it irritates me. Well, and, and I think novelty records, if we're talking like production for a second here, we just went from, <laughs> from today we Laugh to uh song exploder. We're um, learning. Yeah, we're learning. No, I think novelty records tend to be exaggerated in all kinds of ways because comedy tends to exaggerate in all kinds of ways. Right. So if the if they're in the booth and they're like this is funny, but it's not they're like turn up the accordion. Add <laughs> <laughs> more of the clown horn. Exactly. <laughs> you know like so I think um speaking of oh In the name of inclusivity, I'm just, while we're talking novelty records, I want to add Puppy for Hanukkah as our contemporary, nod to our Jewish friends, present company included. And it's like a brilliant novelty record.
1: I don't think I've ever heard it, but what's your take on Adam Sandler's uh, Hanukkah song?
2: So, you know, full disclosure, I was recently uh, enjoying some some adult celebrations for the, the Hanukkah holiday. And I had Spotify's Hanukkah playlist. Um, I know this is not the main topic, but, you know, we are talking playlists. Right. So I I pay for Spotify premiums. I don't get the ads and I enjoy their their music service. Complicated as their effect is on the music ecosystem. Hashtag it's another episode still. Exactly. Um, Spotify, wonderful or evil. Discuss. (laughs) Um, But... uh, their playlists are great if you're in a mm-hmm. hurry. And so they have not just one Hanukkah playlist, but now multiple. Um, and God knows for Christmas, I believe they have a whole channel. Oh, Jesus. With, <laughs> I can't even imagine. Probably a hundred sub channels. And that's right. the point I mentioned, met, met, made earlier, right? That Christmas music is such a big part of the music industry that to satisfy listener slash commercial demand, musicians and songwriters who support them have or performers and their songwriters have delivered to the market every possible subset of christmas music yep so in a related even though the jewish market is smaller you know two percent of the american public we we are a small and mighty minority yep there is sacred hanukkah music i Mm -hmm. used to do a lot of it when i was in cantorial school and i was in a top level jewish choir in New York City, right? Okay, yeah. So you can go to a Hanukkah concert that has people singing like this in <laughs> English or Hebrew or German or whatever. Uh-huh. Like that exists. It is the 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 interest in that kind of music, no offense is very small. I was gonna say it
3: seems very,
2: (laughs) very tiny. (laughs) Are sometimes you have more performers and audience. Sorry guys. But in New York City it's gonna happen because there is a a big big market for classical everything. But what is more popular of course is the comedy stuff. You know Mm -hmm. what's been big lately? Jewish a cappella has had a huge um surgence, especially with viral videos. Oh Um, really? So for all of you Taylor Swift fans listening even if you're not Jewish, you might enjoy the very musical and wacky stylings of 6:13. I'll put um, I'll put it in the message so you can add it to the show notes. Okay. Taylor Swift era's Hanukkah medley. Okay. Yeah. Really. <laughs> um, and I actually shared it to my students at Friends Community School, most of whom are not Jewish, but it tickled me. It was the first day of Hanukkah. It seemed not unreasonable, mm-hmm. so shared it with them because. The parody is a whole subset of the musical world. We all know about Weird Al. Right. Before him, in a bygone era, there was, um, you know, Tom Lair and that kind of comedy record. Uh,
1: Dr. Demento, he had all this stuff over there. I remember yeah, listening to him on a Sunday lot of nights? Yeah, punk
2: bands have done punk versions of everything as a shtick. Mm-hmm. Right. So in the Jewish music market, there are several top level professional a cappella groups. Jewish oriented. Most of them came out of Yeshiva University, um, the big private Jewish university in northern Manhattan. Mm -hmm. Um, One is called the Maccabees. One is called 613. A smaller one is called Y-studs, whatever. But all three... Ha- like as in studs from yeshiva university i know embarrassing name but someone picked I- it. i was just All wondering if three... they were
1: going to be like a <laughs> part of thunder from probably down probably totally
2: or... nerdy if they called themselves y studs <laughs> um not to judge takes one to no one um seriously revenge of the nerds part whatever here we go exactly um yeah but like these guys in Okay, 10 years ago, Jewish a cappella existed, but in the pre-YouTube era, they were big celebrities only in the synagogue circuit or on the Jewish camp circuit. Maybe they could go to a camp and have an amphitheater full of kids screaming, right? Mm -hmm. But because of YouTube, they can make silly videos that become viral and then a synagogue will share it with their entire membership. And then people are like, we got to get these guys to come to our synagogue. Hey, So so they have now- put out high production value, funny videos. They ha- And like, it's a total rabbit hole. And, and this, of course, all exists in the Christian world times a thousand because it's a bigger music right. world. But I'm just talking where the little corner of the internet I live. <laughs> um, but like a few years ago, the Maccabees did like a Les Rob themed Christmas. It might've been the year that terrible Russell Crowe um Mez movie musical came out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it was, I, at the time I was working at a synagogue and I shared it with the kids and they ate it up. It was so funny. <laughs> right. And yep, they're good musicians, to be clear. Very uh-huh. good musicians. So entertaining. And like, that's a thing now. That's the, th- the Parry blah, blah, blah. Yep. And they seem to churn it out year after year. My wife is saying they're probably working all summer. With, do, a, with right. an October deadline to give it to the video editor in November for the December release, right?
1: It's like a Hallmark movie. They film all through the summer,
2: you Yeah. Know, spring and summer. Or their creative so that they meetings can... might start January one for Christmas twenty twenty four. It's exactly They're... what they do, yeah. Or twenty twenty five. I don't know if it's a, a one or two. They year pipeline. they
1: no no they yeah I think it's a one year. I did an epi- I did a episode last year on it and it they crank up Hallmark out. movies yeah. <laughs> the creation and all the rules and everything. What number? Movies. I don't remember what number offhand, but it's December of last
2: year. Okay, I might need to re-listen to that because I I enjoy a good sappy. Uh,
1: it was so interesting because I couldn't understand back then, because I'm in Greece most of the time. So when I would go to the states at Christmas time, I'd look in these, and suddenly Hallmark had all these. Uh, socks and mugs and wine glasses and all these things talking about the hallmark movies i'm like i knew about them
2: oh the stores promoting right the hallmark the stores were
1: promoting the sitting cable. down and watching um the hallmark channel and then i found out how huge oh hallmark christmas movies have become i knew they were big but they're all the same and they are all the same actually and if you listen to the episode it explains to you how they're all the same <laughs> just which different. which brings
2: us back to our topic oh yeah we're ta- of christmas music <laughs> let's let's um because because it's like they are all the same mm-hmm. and that's also how and why it's magic when you write a new one that is remotely enjoyable right. i mean to take your hallmark example um they are totally formulaic but if they didn't work they wouldn't be so wildly popular exactly Um, My friend, Jason Spiewak, I'll give him a hat tip. He's my first of two big composer friends on the Life Review Project. He works in the music business and he talks about how like it's totally alchemy as in like magical, unexplainable chemistry that shouldn't work.
1: Oh, but it does. someone
2: can come up with a totally unique story about falling in love or falling out of love in three and a half minutes or... In many cases, two minutes and forty seconds, uh-huh. and 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 compel you in a way that no other version of the exact, exact same, same story song. has. Yep. All right. I'm saying it differently than Jason would, but point is, like, if you ever hear someone say, "Ah, oh, blah blah blah," songwriters, like anyone can write a song. No, <laughs> no, everyone thinks they can write a song, but only a good songwriter can write something that is at once unique in particular and also universal right. and follows a conventional form that people can relate to.
1: Right. And that people can put music to. I mean, you can write whatever yeah. you want, but I mean, not everything is you're going to find music to go with it. And, you know, they got to go hand in hand.
2: That's right. That's right. So shout out to, to all the songwriters, um, including those who write the songs on our list and those who wrote songs we haven't you uh, haven't Discuss. even heard yet.
1: I know. Oh, by hour seven, we'll we we'll cover those. Okay, so it's seven. your turn.
2: We're going to get definitely up to 20 because I have 10 <laughs> and you have 10, right? So yeah. my number two is Let It Snow. We covered that. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my three is Feliz Navidad.
1: Oh, a classic.
2: And I'll tell you two reasons why. One, I have some happy memories both teaching it. And I did this. We were talking Jason Spiewak a moment ago. So he um, runs an annual charitable trip. To like a work travel volunteer trip to Guatemala, mm-hmm. um, where he brings some of his professional musicians and we do live Christmas music in a few public places. Oh, fun. In addition to like painting some schools. Yeah. Oh. So fun. when I hear Feliz Navi, I went on the trip once. He kind of invited And it brings me you right back, doesn't it? Yep. What? And it brings you right back, doesn't it? And it brings me back. Yeah. The other um, newer association in my switching hats yamaka to santa hat mm-hmm. um in my music teaching capacity um this year um my ukulele teacher quit right before school started Ooh, ah!
1: not the ukulele teacher <laughs> not
2: the ukulele teacher i think that's a good title um so yeah this is why it's always dangerous to hire gigging musicians for school jobs. So I guess his career took off. And with that, so did our uh, ukulele I'm sorry, teacher. his ukulele
1: co- co- career took off. Okay. Uh,
2: <laughs> something took off, but whatever it is, he wasn't ready to work for us, which meant I hired myself as a ukulele teacher. Spent the next three weeks, much to the chagrin of my wife and 12 and year old daughter, playing ukulele nonstop at school. When I had recess duty, I'd be walking around on the blacktop with the ukulele. <laughs> Um, And I got quite good enough, not quite good, but quite good enough to teach second, third and fourth graders. Where does this go, friends? The apex for the kids who are good. We can play Feliz Feliz Navidad along with the backing track because it is like so many great songs, three chords. Perfect. And like so many great songs, my friend Chris, it repeats. I love a good repeat. Let's see. But the That's other songs that I do. <laughs> oh, sorry. That's the second and final time. That's what he said. All right. Let's go.
3: Do you love movies? Do you love talking in depth about your love of movies? If you answered bo- yes to both of those questions, then you should be joining Casey and Amanda every Wednesday on an evening at the movies where we get in depth into discussing all of our favorite movies and why we love them so get yourself some stale popcorn get yourself a watered down soda and join us every wednesday morning wherever you get your podcast listening fix for great discussions great guests witty banter and everything that comes with the experience of an evening at the movies
1: All right. Well, I, my next one is it was Santa baby last time. Now it's Christmas is a time to say, I love you by Billy Squire. It is such an upbeat song. I love it. (laughs) You're speechless.
2: (laughs) I'm speechless every time. It's, it's so silly because. (sighs) You know how, when you love a thing and then you find out a new thing, you're like, I didn't know that thing. Yep. How come no one told me? Maybe this happens every week on your podcast. But like, so I experienced this on both sides of being a music teacher and being a regular person. So in regular life, just I like music and I'm always delighted to hear new songs. So you're going to have to make a companion Spotify playlist to give to the people. Um, Or maybe I can. We'll talk about that offline. Yeah. Play uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors. Um, But as a music teacher, this is particularly funny with children. Anytime I don't know anything about anything musical, the kids express outrage and sometimes anger. (laughs) Um, My daughter, same when she has an obscure Taylor Swift deep cut. And she's like, you don't know this obscure song off of her fourth album. Uh, I, <gasps> oh, yes. You are not a real Taylor fan. And I'm like, okay, I accept that. <laughs> you accept it, don't you? I do. <laughs> Clearly her Taylor Swift knowledge has passed me many months ago. But, like, she's angry about it. And I'm like, honey, I'm glad you're an expert. And that's okay. But you just know more stuff than me, and you can't be mad. There you- or you shouldn't be. Apparently you are. But with my music kids... <laughs> They will sometimes ask me, Chris, some of the most obscure things that even like Google may or may not know. Like, like we see a video, like I I love to share a a video listening and watching. And then they're like, they're like, in the second, in the, there was a girl and she was, (laughs) what was happening with her? And it's like a music video. Right. It's all fictional. Right. These are like yep. artistic choices I can't even research. And I'm like, I don't know. And then they're like, what do you mean you don't
0: know? No, yeah, no. I'll say,
2: <laughs> I say sometimes art is hard to explain. I'll kind of go big on them. Uh-huh. And sometimes I'll say like, you, that sounds like a good question to bring to the director of the music video we just watched. <laughs> you can like, write a letter. Some things, yeah, write them an email or uh, an old fashioned paper letter. That's funny. It's hard to know sometimes why know. people make artistic choices.
1: I know. All right, so I picked Billy Squire. What are you up to?
2: Um, I'm gonna say the Christmas song, aka Chestnuts Roasting on an open fire. Probably, again, to be a gloriously narcissistic performer, it is the song I probably sing best. And it's the one when I like want to cheer up a sad nurse Christmas Eve. Or I at work for the record. Yep, not just anywhere. a random nurse on the street somewhere else. <laughs> Honey, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, yeah, it's just a great song where mm. good vocalist, uh, present company included, can really go for it. And um, I just love that era of popular songwriting. I'm pretty sure it's also on my top eleven great songs written by um, Jewish people by jewish people yeah it's the number one on the feller list that one was written by mel torme
1: oh mel torme he wrote that
2: he wrote that yeah well, and it was made famous by sinatra and that right Cole.
1: and i do love all sinatra and uh dean martin and the perry como i love all those yeah. songs i yeah. was going on my theory my Not idea was no I was
2: on the list of of written by jewish songwriters that was Written by Sammy Kahn, who was born Samuel Cohen. Santa Baby was on your list. That was Joan Javits and Phil Springer. I'm just going to keep referring Jewish. back to this list because this, I'm not going to like tease it. But if if any more hits, this is like shout out to all the Jewish songwriters. Okay, um, yeah, let's continue. So we have the Christmas song because I like singing it, and I also think it's a beautifully evocative. Song, it is It is a beautiful,
1: um, that reminds me of Christmas morning. That is a, beautiful a Christmas morning. Song. Line,
2: melodically with that octave leap. Mm-hmm. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And then um, I learned from my songwriter friend and songwriting teacher, Sue Horowitz, that whenever you can use um, any of the five senses, mm-hmm. that's a, a good move as a songwriter. Or like such a poet, mm-hmm. um, because it puts your brain into a different place. Yep, that
1: makes Most sense. Most of
2: us, our default is to be visual as we describe. So when we are challenged to go beyond what is visual,
1: mm-hmm. that makes because sense.
2: Because chestnuts roasting on an open fire, right away your salivatory glands are. You're like. Mm. <sighs> Or maybe your olfactory. I'm, I'm going more on my. I'm words.
1: going more on my smell. You smell, yeah. yeah, and the feeling of the warmth from the fire. And right, the cold it also outside. evokes
2: a place. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, there's open fire, like old timey chestnuts. But for a lot of New York City people, chestnuts are only True. seen and smelt
3: on the two streets. months of
2: the year when it's like holiday tourist season. Yeah, yep, that's where I go. That's chestnuts. All, All right, right. four.
1: So, for the final uh, song on this side, I am going with Christmas Wrapping by the Waitresses. Uh,
2: that one I literally have never heard of. So You've never to
1: heard playing. Christmas Wrapping? Oh, I think you have. You had one. Well, it was huge. I think late 80s it began. They actually made it, in it like might 82 have been on those or something. Work
2: soundtracks in the background. And I guess when you know a song and you hear it playing. Mm hmm. I'm talking background, not foreground. Right. Your ear jumps to it, and you're like, "Oh, that song!" And then you dance around, and you say, it, "That's a, how I feel about all I want for Christmas." Right. And others.
1: This is but a if very. If it's a song dancing. I don't know,
2: I'm like, "Oh, that's a pop song with unexpected jinga 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 jinga." Yep. You know the sleigh bells. That I think you'll Christmas like this song.
1: one. I think right. I think you had to. I think they made it like '82 or whatever became popular later, but it's a great song. All I right, trust
2: you, Chris. You are we're a tastemaker.
1: Flipping the cassette now. Now we need B side. Let's. Well, I B-side. think we need to rock through these ones. Okay.
2: Wait, What's does your, that mean go quick or do we little, need more rock infused?
1: No, no, I don't think we need a little more rock infused. I think we need to knock this out so that we can uh, go on. Less
2: explanation, more right. words or uh, more songs. Okay, twelve days of Christmas. Mostly because um I associate it with silly choreography. I've performed this by myself and with a troop of Girl Scouts several times. <laughs> classic.
1: It is a classic. Though I remember sitting in the backseat of my parents' car and we'd hear it on the radio. It just felt like it went on forever. It um, does. It does. I'm going a little no. more current. Depending on the
2: length of concert you're looking for. <laughs> Include that one with caution.
1: Well, I mean, sometimes you hear the Muppets version. You know, you got Miss Piggy and Kermit yelling at each other and stuff like that. You know, it can go on yeah, for Yeah,
2: whenever while. they can fight, that's going to be a better musical number.
1: <laughs> All right. I'm going modern on my next one. It's called yes. Underneath the Tree by Kelly Clarkson.
2: I don't know the song. I do know the vocalist. She was, fun fact, the original winner. Of yes, she Idol. was.
1: We all remember that one against the guy with the curly hair, right?
2: No, okay. Jason Just, Guarini. Justin Guarini. Justin Guarini? Guarini? Yeah.
1: You got the last name. I got Whether the first name. Whether you're Jason or Justin, I apologize. I think it's Justin. I really think it's Justin.
2: Justin. Yeah. Yeah, he did all right. He got a few Broadway roles along the way. But Kelly, the original and the best, um, I remember seeing her early on in her career at a stadium show. And oh, okay. It was pretty epic.
1: Yeah, no, she's she's got an amazing voice.
2: Amazing All right, vocalist.
1: what do you get for your song right. on the next side?
2: Um, I'm going to go kind of classic children's Obliquely Christmas, and that's mm-hmm. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And I like it both because it's appealing and singable and because I think it has a nice message of inclusion. You know, the, the song starts in kind of a dark place. People mm-hmm. are teasing him based on his appearance. Um, he's <laughs> just... You- I'm he's sorry. an eager beaver he just wants to help and all those a-holes who are who i'm thinking are like the varsity football team and he's the poor you know rudy of the bunch oh rudy i just made that connection wow. <laughs> um rudy rudolph is the rudy of the the football team at, that is the rest of the reindeer and then only because of inclement weather do they want him for a special skill right so It's complicated.
1: Have you ever seen the cartoon from like the the stop motion one? Yeah, the Raspberry Yeah, of course. My daughter says to me today just today, she's like, That is the worst cartoon. Not because of she's like, Santa is horrible. He's so mean in this movie. You know, everyone... so she doesn't
2: like the story. We're not talking the production value. No,
1: no, no, the story. She the she's story. like Santa was it's awful. Just horrible. You know, mm-hmm. said, "Oh, he can't fly, he can't fly with us. He's got he's got a uh disability or he's different." He's got a red nose. Right. And Santa stormed out of the cave.
2: He's the of the world. Right,
1: and he stormed out of the cave. Nobody played with him. He ran off. That's and then right. this...
2: social exclusion yep. and ostracizing others.
1: Yeah and uh then the the bumble snowman who my daughter says scared the pants off of her as a kid it never bothered me but she Not said in it was
2: song but nope. they needed to when you try to take a song and expand it to a feature-length <laughs> film you gotta add some filler chris well so actually added a i think
1: it was a story originally it was a book and oh, then the book came I the said song corrected all right and that, but I don't know if the abominable snowman was in the book. I think the abominable snowman. Came I'm guessing bank that in. was a
2: Hollywood edition. Yeah. They must have tested it, and they're like, "This is good, but it's 20 minutes long." Yeah, and, and they're then like, was... spitballing. Let's add a snowman. You know, <laughs> Let's add a scary monster. guy
1: and a bumble snowman. But so like, all the
2: kids cry. <laughs> exactly,
1: and my daughter's like, she's like, and then Santa, he's like, oh well, because we need you, you can join the team, you know, only because we need you, otherwise. <laughs> Like, you know what? You're right. It is socially uh, unacceptable. Yes, normally, at this point. that's
2: a fair weather friend. Here, this is a bad weather friend. Right.
1: And then- but <laughs> we all have that history.
2: neighbor who we know has the generator, and we don't really like him because he's that weird dude with the generator. Might right. be a doomsday prepper. However,
1: However, my lights when storm are out. The comes in.
2: <laughs> he's our best friend. <laughs> I
1: got a little wine here for you. Let's sit back and relax. That's
2: it. Yes. Well, if you have if you have something to barter with other than your false friendship, um, you might do better. Go for it. Yeah. All, All right. right. So. So Rudolph the Red nosed Reindeer, upon further consideration, is at once a good song, but deeply complicated. It is. It, Parentheses, like if, so much good art. I don't
1: know if it's, you know, held the gears very well, but it's fine. It's you fine. think I, it
2: doesn't age well.
1: It didn't so age. That's well. what a lot well, of
2: people say about um your 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 favorite uh Hollywood Christmas movie, Love Actually. I know. It doesn't age well.
1: Yeah. But I still like it, and I still it like Rudolph. Some people, so.
2: I didn't say this before, but while we're talking about not aging well, let it snow. Some people love it. Some people feel like the song borders on uh, boy being a little too pushy mm-hmm. because he's saying, "Don't go out in the storm, stay here." Oh no, with that's me, baby. I'm,
1: it, that's uh, baby. It's cold outside.
2: Same, same. They're same. basically the same idea.
1: Yes, but in that one, that's what he's trying to coerce. There's a little coercion going on. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And and look, different people are comfortable with different levels of coercion. Right. Oh, my God. As soon as I said that, that sounded terrible. It did. That um, might be an edit. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe that's that sounds funny this decade and sounds terrible in 10 more years. Right. I don't know. Who knows? Hashtag. That's what he said. All right. We continue.
1: <laughs> All right. So my next one is You Make It Feel Like Christmas by Gwen Stefani and Blake Shelton. I know that's really much newer. But like I said, it's dancey. If it's dancey, it hit my list.
2: I don't know that recording. Uh, you know, I think it's sweet that we have a celebrity couple. Were they officially together by the time they recorded it? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. They've been together for a while. Good job, celebrities who stay together. It's hard to be famous and in love, apparently.
1: Oh, it certainly is. Yeah. So what's your next one?
2: Um, I'm going to go from the lowbrow to the highbrow. Oh, Holy Night. Oh, that one's good.
1: I actually um, love the Mariah Carey version.
2: Yeah, this is another one, another chance for me to extol how good I sing Christmas music. This is probably my best classical style one. Um, And I performed it a handful of times. Um, And I just, even though um, I'm not someone who worships um, in any kind of Christian way, I could easily be persuaded/slash invited to something like a midnight mass or a Christmas service mm-hmm. in order to sit back and listen to the music.
1: I, I um, I've, I've been to several stuff. midnight masses, and they've yeah uh, with through choirs, the Baptist church actually often and
2: professional choirs. Mm-hmm. And if you like classical music, you know the power. Or even lay people, whatever. Um, I I think a well prepared. Choir, whether it's um, volunteers or ringers or whatever, um, is very beautiful in a way that's different and special from very beautiful instrumental music. But I'll put that all together and say that's something that's a treat for this time of year. If you're into classical music right, or right. choir or choral music, there's usually an embarrassment of riches around the holidays specifically around the Christmas season, mm-hmm. when churches of every type put on holiday shows and pageants and Christmas yep. services and Christmas concerts. So if you like that stuff, I encourage you, good listeners, to look around, see what's happening. A lot of it can be found for money, but sometimes a lot of it is rather affordable because it's the church up the road just putting on a little show. So right, love enjoy. That.
1: And I know a lot of times for the churches, it's just a show the church is putting on and you just go, mm-hmm. oh, it's free, you know, and they just ask for yeah, the donations maybe they, after.
2: They, they ask for a donation or whatever. Yeah. It's also a time when a lot of professional musicians kind of make hay while the sun shines, so right. to speak. Right. I know yeah. when I was a young singer, the first time I ever got paid for singing, I was a junior in high school. And this was kind of like a paid audition of a type where I worked a midnight mass as a ringer in a choir. Uh-huh. And I was good enough that the guy invited me back for the next 14 months to be a ringer in his every Sunday morning choir. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was a tough job because I had to be good enough to sort of sight read the bass part and four part choral music. So if you know what I'm talking folks about, folks, you know this is challenging. Um, but it's also hard to find good tenors and basses. So he was happy to pay me. I was happy to have the work. Yep. And I remember feeling sometimes they were looking at me like, Merry Christmas, question mark. And I'm like, Merry Christmas, exactly. Just what
1: I said. Like, uh, you know, I can't think of a better person to join me. Can't think of anybody better for a Christmas episode than our Jewish friend, Ben. Our Jewish friend,
2: Ben. (laughs) And the separate part two of this episode, Christmas in general. Will be Christmas, I swear. Um, Part of that discussion will be all the funny traditions that Jewish people have on Christmas. And one of them is working the jobs that's that can't always be staffed by Christians who want to enjoy their holiday, right? So yep. Jewish professional singers for at least 100 years in the United States, but possibly for millennia, have been doing professional gigs to help their Christian brothers and sisters enjoy well, their well, holidays. See? Right? And I, I'm guessing that goes back... To medieval ages and earlier, when Jews have historically often been professional musicians mm-hmm. in all kinds of settings, right, including right. those where they might not worship, mm-hmm. but depending on the community, they might help as a, as a professional musician,
1: right, and maybe vice versa. Who knows?
2: Yeah, and to this day, like it's it's funny. Like I've worked in professional choirs. Like I worked at a modern Orthodox synagogue where the majority of the paid singers were non-Jews, mm-hmm. and they were just like professional level singers in New York city who are happy to get this gig. And they laugh during the Yom Kippur service in the afternoon, like let's all go for a deli. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to take a nap because I was not joining them for the sandwich. Um, Conversely, you might find yourself surprised to discover how many Jewish musicians are working the Christmas gigs because right, the, Christian the Christians want the time off. Wanna be with their family. So right. there you go, folks. <laughs> all all right. right, let's oh so Keep head. going. Keep Stop going. talking, kids. Oh holy night because I can sing it. God rest you, merry gentlemen. <laughs> Just because it kind of gives me all the the feels about all of that so called traditional yeah, Christian it's a Christmas hymn music. Yeah. So both because I've worked that job and like the handful of times that I've been invited as as a plus one, you know, in college, I dated Mm -hmm. a Catholic girl for a while. And like, I think in true... Oh my God, that sounds so weird. Let's just say like some kind of Christian families, they love that so-called old-timey Christian music in the background. We do a Christmas morning. In
1: Christmas morning, we have a lot more of the... Classic, you classic
2: know, meaning that you might find in your hymnal as well as on your right. record player and
1: on the record player, right? A little, little bit older songs you won't hear. The yeah,
2: album. and the giveaway for you untrained listener is the word "ye." <laughs> that would be the very God big. God rest ye, married gentlemen. gentlemen. They never if change it, was it to "thou." It would be like <laughs> take a load off, my peeps. <laughs> <laughs> exactly,
1: or it could be. Um, let's see. My next one was the Heat Miser song from the cartoon. <laughs> you know, Heat Miser. You've never seen the uh, cartoon with Heat Miser and Cold Miser? Well, you're you know, I understand if you haven't, but I think anybody out there, uh, I if love you go,
2: how with each successive offering, you, d- did you make this list like deep cuts slash the quirky? I Christmas? love quirky
1: Christmas but also I was supposed to do this with Deb, and I foresaw her going more general Uh, song so i was trying to make sure that i was the
2: kooky the quirky the unusual but i love
1: it that's what i listened to deb's i figured she'd have a lot of like the frank sinatra and stuff like that uh, so
2: honestly my list might look a little bit like deb's Debs. because i am as as mentioned several dozen times a jewish guy so like these were not handed to me by my parents they were handed to me by mall soundtracks they're handed to me by Choral directors who said, we're going to learn this as a choir. Yep. Um, And there are songs that I've done for community gigs where I've sung or where I've led, you know, kids in singing. Right. So they're kind of run of the mill stuff. They're not that obscure. So what's your last song? Um, I'm going to say Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, a hat tip to my boy Macaulay Calkin (laughs) and that amazing Christmas movie Home Alone. Sometimes we forget it's not just about slapstick and bungling uh, burglars. It is about the true meaning of Christmas. Friends, That's right. don't leave behind your child.
1: <laughs> Try to, you know, remember your children when you travel. Correct. And my last one is Santa Claus is back in town off of the newer movie, uh, Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. Great movie. Hottest Santa you've ever seen. Kurt Russell.
2: Did you say hottest Santa hottest. you've ever seen? Hottest. <laughs> okay and everyone agrees several follow-up questions about this so this hot santa you speak of (laughs) oh yes please he's on your lock screen (laughs) he's
1: on my lock screen
2: amazing okay um audio medium i'm gonna try my best to describe let's see if i can do him justice tell me just say kurt russell
1: in a santa outfit from christmas is it kurt russell
2: yeah oh (laughs) so because i was gonna say for your imagination, he looks a lot like Kurt Russell. <laughs> but it
1: actually is him. It and actually think, is. Yeah. Kurt Russell. I think even my daughter's which like, Which explains yeah. the
2: resemblance. <laughs> uh, so very handsome man of a certain age. And I will describe the photo that you brought up. He has that kind of Salt-and-pepper, windswept look like the uh, sexy neighbor like next ha- door in a lot of Hallmark movies. Oh, a Harlequin movie. Uh, what plus. was it?
1: Harle- Harlequin romance? Definitely no, A
2: romance yeah. meant to to turn on our geriatric audience <laughs> where the guy in the cover is not Fabio, but um an incredibly sexy 60-plus with the body of a 40-plus
1: and not the hair getting... of a 20-plus. <laughs> I'm not getting a, a, any younger, so... Yeah, he's a good look. He looks good in that.
2: Yeah, no, I I encourage all of us to have a Merry Christmas, whether we're imagining Kurt Russell or anyone else who gives us our jingle bells. How's that?
1: (laughs) Adorable. Okay, well, that's it for, we'll call it part one. But to be honest, the next part, it has nothing to do with the first part. Um, It's just that our quick episode ran really long. So once again, we'll split it up. But thank you, Ben, so much for stepping in. Deb, we miss you. I hope you get back soon. But in the meantime, uh, I think Ben was a great co-host and he's a lot of fun. So thank you again. And thank you for sticking through Today We Laughed and Learned. You can find us on all your usual platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram at Today We Laughed and Learned, or jump over to Twitter at Today We Laughed, or you can even drop us an email at todaywelaughed at gmail.com any way you want to get a hold of us. Anyway, stay tuned for next week's episode where I'm going to cover actually what I meant to cover on this one, which is um some things about Christmas that you may not have known. And do you realize that we are probably celebrating Christmas on the wrong day? Evidently we are. Anyway, thanks a lot. Have a great Feliz night. Navidad.
0: you a Merry Christmas I wanna wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom of my heart yeah